It takes a village to raise a child. It's a phrase that we've heard many times, but there's actually science that supports it. Children with a formal or informal mentor are less likely to struggle with bullying or experience depression. There's a disproportionate number of Black youth in the foster care child welfare system. This week, we sit down with Valerie Hicks to talk about an organization working hard to strengthen Black youth and Black families. Welcome to Season 4 of Black Family Table Talk. Listen in weekly as we share unique stories that inspire, build, and give voice to the strength of Black families. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. This week's episode is sponsored by ABTF Travels. Join us for an epic adventure of a lifetime as we host an official delegation of artists and art enthusiasts in Ghana, West Africa. Please refer to our products page at blackfamilytabletalk.com forward slash products for more information. Valerie Hicks, such an honor to have you. And the work that you do in the community is just incredible. Tell us about your work, how you got to get started in that work. Sure, sure. Thank you for having me. Um, This is a wonderful opportunity for me to talk about the youth that need our community's care and support. Again, my name is Valerie Hicks, and I'm the executive director of SAFI of Nevada. And SAFI is Uh, of Nevada is one of seven states in which we operate our services. We provide services to support children and families who unfortunately come to the attention of the Child Welfare Department. Our children are in need of treatment foster care, which is the foster care program for children who have mental health problems. All children who are removed from their parents, who are no longer living in their home, no longer living with the familiarity of the things around them, suffer. But some, some children suffer more, and the mental health challenges that uh, occur because of the trauma and abuse that may have led to their removal, and the actual removal itself creates so much distress and harm to our children. And so for those children, they need to come into a specialized home where the parents receive special training to be able to meet their needs, where um, our workers are also trained around the mental health needs of children and are able to help support that family and wrap care and services around them. But we hope that children never have to come to us. And so while we are known for providing treatment foster care in seven states, um, we hope that some of our mental health services, our family preservation services, which is in-home therapy, are sufficient so that children do not have to come to our care. Our best opportunity is to prevent the need for a child to be removed from their home. But I have been with SAFI for about 11 years, have been in this field for about 40 years. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother. And so as, as, and as a black woman, I see so many children of color coming into the child welfare system. And so as a child who grew up in a very um, happy community in Cleveland, Ohio called Glenville, I understood what community does and means for children. And so when our children are placed in care, I understand what they're missing. Yes, which is incredible insight, in my opinion. We are adopted parents, and we also fostered for about a year different kids. And so we we are very familiar with with the system and 
in Trent, New Jersey is where our child was adopted from. We went straight to adoption. We didn't want to foster foster any child. We didn't want the transition. We wanted to just pray and have faith and allow God to send us who he wanted to bring in our lives. And that's what we ended up doing. We had uh, my Thanks. son, we got him in April of, of uh, nine, well, when he was three years old, I forget the year, but um, it, w- it was a blessed day and it's been an adventure ever since. Ups nice. and downs. <laughs> so, I, so that's why this was work was so important for me to get the, the word out to our community about the work that you're doing, because I think there are so many unsung heroes in our community that um, that are doing the work and need support. Uh, not only um, emotional and, and moral and and verbal support, but also financial support. That is and right. um, and so that's why I wanted to have you on because there's there are many people in our community with means that care about our kids. They may not be ready to adopt or foster. They may not have the mindset or the tools for that, but they're certainly able to get involved in other ways and something that's bigger than themselves. So uh, what are some of the challenges that you as the executive director of this organization face on a day-to-day basis? Well, you just alluded to one, Tony, and that is funding. Certainly, we see that around the nation, there are funds for many things, but there seems to be a lack of funds for children and particularly for poor children. And so we are constantly through contracts with our county and with our state trying to ensure that we have the means to pay not only for that foster home, the per diem for the foster parent, but for all the other services that they need for a case manager to go out there weekly, for a therapist to be hired who understands what mental health looks like from a child welfare perspective, our our rent, our lights, all of those things um, really are paid for through through private donations in many instances. And so I so appreciate what you're saying because we definitely need our community to step up and those who cannot foster, those who cannot adopt may be willing to uh, share some of their other resources because that allows us to provide what we want to call a normal life for our children. That allows us to pay for the the Halloween parties and the and the Christmas parties and to pay for those special things that all children need to have to grow and thrive. The, the swimming lessons and those kinds of things. But child welfare is not a parent, and so they don't pay for those things. We need to have other resources available to us to pay for those things. Yeah, uh, and I agree. There are a lot of people out here who just don't know where to go because they think that the government, traditionally speaking, they think that the government is the one um, and nobody wants to give money to the government. So that's that. So as an independent nonprofit organization, this is a breath of fresh air because you are offering those ancillary services and that that we don't necessarily hear about. So one of my pet peeves, and Tony, you can jump in at any time. One of my pet peeves is is when I hear people say, well, what about the black on black crime? How do you handle black on black crime in your community? You need to you need to address black on black crime. And you, Valerie Hicks, are the one that is addressing that. You're that the ones correct. that are providing interventive services. So, you know, to say that we're not doing anything 
uh, in our community, you don't make the, the, you know, the six o'clock news, 11 o'clock news, news. You don't make that, but you're the one, agencies like yours are the ones that are interceding on the trauma that we as Black people experience in this country. Yes. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Are there mentoring opportunities, mentorship opportunities for people unable to adopt and uh, or foster as, as one? Num- number two, what services do you offer children that age out of foster care? You know, what, what kind of needs you have there? And if you can give us some success stories for some of the children who have aged out, because uh, we always hear the negative things, you know, what support things can you can you give us that you could put together to help that success rate increase? So let's start with good news first. Okay. Let's start with the success stories because I recently had a foster parent. Well, maybe it's a few months ago now. And she had been a foster parent with us for many years and she had two brothers with her. Um, they were aging out. They did not want to be adopted. They still had a relationship and ties with their birth family. As, unfortunately, as soon as one of the youngsters was about to age out and go to college, they found his birth mom deceased in a car. Oh. Now, this youngster is entering his freshman year here at UNLV, and that is what he has to face. But on top of facing that, he also was getting information from the university who had not received his financial aid forms because youth in care have to get different kinds of financial aid forms. And sometimes things just don't happen with the timeliness that they should because it is a system working for them, not a parent working for them. And so this child did, was getting notices that they were going to be putting him out of his dorm. Now, he's already distressed because of his mom, and he's about to face homelessness. But this youngster was lucky. He was blessed because he had been placed with a family who understood the responsibility of parenting and did not look at parenting as foster or adoptive, but looked at it as parenting. And they also had adult children and understood what it took to help a child uh, transition successfully from high school to adulthood. And so even though they were no longer receiving uh, county dollars for this youth's care, They kept them in their home and they said, don't worry, we will intercede. Now, you ask about mentors. We have a um, advisory council and on our advisory council, we were fortunate enough to have a woman who was a member of the faculty at UNLV, an African-American woman who also understood how important it was to make these connections. So she interceded with our foster mother and they interceded with the university. And guess what? He did not get put out. That's four years ago. Fast forward, my man has graduated. He has two majors, not one, two majors. He did his internship at Zappos and he was offered a position. He was offered several positions, but you know why he was able to make that transition? Because somebody cared about him. Somebody did not say, well, this checkbox is is over. He's 18. I've done my job. He graduated from high school. We know that's not enough. And this family knew that that was not enough. And so they took it upon themselves to do what was right. They took this young man into their home and on breaks when there is no school and there is no dorm, he stayed at their house. They bought him a car. Why did they buy him a car? Because he needed to get from their house to UNLV to his field placement and back to work. He had places to go. 
and they were there to help him drive there. That's the kind of families that we have at SAFI. They understand that children are important to our future. They are a part of our community. And there's nothing that they won't do to support our children. Many of our best uh, adoptive parents actually come through the fostering ranks because we place older children. Our children are not the babies. Our children are the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 and up children. And typically people don't think about them when they think about fostering and adoption, but they're still children. My children are 36 and 39. They're still children. And in all the mass of things going on in our world today, they call home because they need to have somebody to anchor them. And that's what our children need. They need someone to anchor them. Unfortunately, there's a disproportionate number of children of color in the child welfare system. In Las Vegas, there are approximately 8 to 10 percent African-Americans. But on any given day, if you look at the children who are sitting, waiting for an opportunity to be a part of a family, 40 to 50 percent are African-American. And so we need our families to step up. If you can't adopt, if you can't foster, help a family that is. Support them. Give them respite. Give them, give them gifts. Give them dinner. Treat their child like their child is a part of the family. Invite them over to your house and love on them because they all need love. And so that's the success story. You asked, did we need mentors? We absolutely need mentors because how do you get from where you are to where you want to go if there's no one to help guide you? And so our foster parents have an awesome job, an awesome job that has been placed on their shoulders. But we all know that it's not one person or two person's job to raise a child. It takes a village. We know that. And so at SAFI, when we can't find the village, we create the village. I had a worker who understood that a black child that they were working with, a biracial child who had no connections to their black family and had only white workers around them, needed to have connection to community. And so our workers said, Valerie, you got to find me a mentor. I was able to secure my stylist because this woman, um, th this child actually is interested in cosmetology. And so we didn't want to just bring somebody that was a stranger and say, here's a mentor for you. We wanted to say, here's something you're interested in. And this lady might be able to help you with that. So that match is still in the making. We need more of that because how do you decide what you're going to be in life? How do you decide that you want to be a doctor, uh, an engineer, a teacher, um, a, an excellent um, painter, a, a, a craftsman? How do you decide? You do that based on the people around you. Our children need lots of people around them who are doing stuff and will include them in that stuff. That's what our kids need. And so then you ask about mentoring and you also ask about children who are aging out. There's not enough for children who are aging out. Um, the the research has shown that the human brain is not fully developed until it's until you're 25. And yet we are putting children out who did not have the benefit of the security and the nurturance of a family to securely create a foundation for them. But at 18, we're saying mm, you're on your own unless you're really a good kid. And if you're a good kid and you're a smart kid, we might keep you till you're 21. Wow. But get, but that's not enough. And most of our, and most my children, I'll say this about my own children, at 18, they would not have been successful trying to matriculate through um, high school and college on their own. And that's what we're asking children who've had less support to do. Yes. 
Wow, that this you you said a mouthful, and um, and really just kind of confirms some of the stuff that I've been feeling about uh, what we can do. We're empty nesters right now, and what can we do as empty nesters that doesn't require um, a long term commitment? And one of the things that came to mind was having Sunday dinners uh, where we could bring in children who have aged out. Because one thing that Tony and I love to do, we love to talk. <laughs> That's why we started this podcast. We also we also love to coach kids and listen to their problems. And, you know, we've had four of our own. So this was one of the things that we were, we were thinking about doing. And we reached out to a local nonprofit to start matching us up with some kids so we can just cook dinner because our kids are spread all over the country and have them come and just have a Sunday dinner. And I, I you, so what you've done is you inspired me to just continue because then COVID hit. So that was that. Right. But just to continue with that idea, because that's just something so simple to do. Um, so do, does your organization offer those types of structured connections with, with students? And what states do you operate in? So we're operating in Nevada. Ohio is the first state in which we developed Staffy. Indiana, Colorado, Alabama, South Carolina, and Kentucky. And through those states, we have multiple divisions in different cities. Now, in, Los, in uh, Nevada, we're only in Las Vegas. However, in Ohio, we're in Columbus and Cleveland and Sydney and Cincinnati and uh, Canton and Akron. And so in different states, we have different uh, uh, constructs for service delivery. Um, I would say that all of us need volunteers. And so if you're interested in volunteering, contact w contact Safi at www.safi.org and you will see the range of, of opportunities in our respective communities that you may want to take part of. Um, one of the things that has happened in one of the communities in which I'm previously from Cleveland and they did this in Cleveland, they engaged a church and the church would have Thanksgiving dinner the, sun, uh, the week before Thanksgiving for all children who were in care. And it became actually like a uh, family reunion, if you will, because so mm. many children live with each other, but they're not birth family. And so they saw their foster brother and sisters. They saw each other's children. They have aged out, but here's my child. I'm, I'm 22 and I've got a two-year-old and they would see their worker there sometimes. And so there's so many ways that communities can come together. It can be through the faith-based organizations. It could be through fraternities, sororities, but I invite everybody to reach out to children in care because those are our babies and they need us. They need yes. us. Yes, they do. They need us. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, our communities used to be so connected. I, I remember when my mom used to tell, share stories about, you know, how the neighbors kept the, when she was, she was living in the Little Bricks, Little Bricks in Newark, New Jersey, which is like a three-story um, housing project. And there were eight kids in her family, uh, seven kids in her family, and then other families, big families. And that was what it was like back then. But she said, you could eat off the floors in the hallway. And I said, well, you know, who kept it clean? She said, everybody, That's every right. family took a turn to clean the floors. Every family took a turn to make sure that the the, the other kids were fed or ate. And it was just that kind of community. And I think through the change of the cultural shift, 
as we go on through the years and us leaving communities and regentrification, we've lost a lot of those connections. So um, thank you for being that, that means by which we can rebridge our um, communities back together to save our sons and daughters. To save us. And again, SAFI is, stands for Special Alternatives for Families and Youth. Look it up. Okay. Okay. Look it up. Right. See oh, how you can contribute. Thank you. What, what, one other question I have. Do you have anything as far as housing assistance or job skills training or interviewing skills for? Excellent question, Tony. Excellent question. So we have recently connected with the jobs programs here in Nevada, and we have a, a jobs initiative, if you will, with help of Southern Nevada and Workforce Connections. Because, And I have a, a staff person whose job it is to take our youth who are 14 and up and connect them with these job programs. We want to give them internships. And then we also want to offer them the opportunity to uh, have paid employment um, as it's appropriate. And so we are looking very much at creating those kinds of job entry opportunities for our youth, because that's what's going to help them moving on a positive trajectory when they leave our homes. Great, that's fantastic. I have a quick question. Mentoring, is that in-person mentoring or can it be like through Zoom or or meeting just to meet once a week or what have you? You know, um, we have initiated some of that mentoring during COVID, and it's been a challenge, to be honest with you, because our children need to feel the relationship. And so I think if a relationship had already been established, mm-hmm. maintaining it through COVID probably could work. But I do think it's hard for children to connect with someone and for someone to connect with our children, um, our youth, when they haven't really been in person. Um, But I think as COVID continues and we look at how we're going to have to do things differently, we pivoted last year, we will continue to pivot and reform our, our services and reshape them to make them meet the kids' needs. Thank you so much for for the work that you do. Another unsung hero. Um, we're going to definitely give light to to what you're doing and on, across our platforms. Uh, we are excited that you are working in the community. Everybody doesn't have to be front and center. If there are there is a need for people to just roll up their sleeves and and just do the work. That's just right. do the work. And there's a there are people out there who want to know how they can get involved. Tony, do you have any more questions? Just one final question. If someone wanted to make a financial contribution, how would they go about doing that? They could go to our website, www.safi, S as in Sam, A as in Apple, F as in Frank, Y as in yes.org. And you will see a donation button there. Click that button and make that donation. Will do. We we will definitely do that today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we will also email the information to our subscribers to make sure they have a direct link to your uh, website. So if you're not a subscriber, go ahead and sign up so you can get access to this incredible information and organization. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Hicks. Thank you very much. Like family table talk. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you've gotten some tools to put into your strong black family toolbox. 
and be sure to sign up for a free subscription at blackfamilytabletalk.com. You don't want to miss out on special discounts and product offers reserved exclusively for you from our very own Black-owned business directory. That's blackfamilytabletalk.com. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform posts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.